Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry to impact your life. So share your story with us at info at And if God is using this ministry to impact you, we would like to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do so online at fellowshipgj.com. Select the giving option that works best for you and help us bring the message of Christ to this community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, church family. I know that you lost an hour of sleep, but I wanna encourage you to go ahead and wake up and participate with me today. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, I am so excited that I get to sit next to you today. Guys, we've been in this series on relationships and we've been calling it, put people in their place. Because we're talking about the fact that it's so vitally important, the, the right people being in your life, but not just uh, the right people being in your life, it's also important that they're in the right position in your life. And I wanna go ahead and dive right into a scripture today found in Ecclesiastes chapter four, starting in verse nine, it says, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Church, we need the right people in our lives. And in fact, in our walk with God, we need the right people to help us. And today we're going to be wrapping this series up. But more important than anything I have to say, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would speak to us all as individuals. So would you pray with me right now and let's just invite God to talk to us. Uh, Heavenly Father, it's in your precious son Jesus's name that we come before you right now. And we recognize that you've already met with us in this room. You've already been here as we've worshiped you. You've been here as we've given to you. And, and we pray that right now you would be our teacher and you'd speak to us. So God, I pray that you get any distraction out of the room, that you wouldn't allow me to be a distraction or anything else. But God, I also pray that you'd remove the distractions from our heart and from our mind because God, we ask that we would see Jesus more today, that we would understand your plan for us when it comes to the relationships that you want us to be in in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Diving right in, I want to give you three quick statements that we all need to understand about relationships. Number one is that we can do more for God when we join hands with other like-minded Christians than we can by ourselves. This is something that every Christ follower must understand is that we can't live our lives on an island of solitude and, and, and be as effective as we could if we partner with other people. That's why God created us to live in connection with other people, in relationship with other people, to be in a church family with other people. That's why when you hear someone say, I don't need church, I can just do my own thing up in the mountains. They're standing against the word of God because God said, I put you together as a church to be my body to do work together. We do more together. And there's many of you that, that, that you've even experienced very recently in this fixer upper projects and stuff. It's like you could come and you could paint a hallway and you could get a little bit of work done. 
But if you come with 15 other people who are like-minded and you're going after the same goal, when you're painting, now all of a sudden, not only is it more fun, you are getting so much more work done. And that is what Ecclesiastes is talking about, is that when we come together, we accomplish so much more. So we can do more for God when we join hands with other like-minded Christians than we can on ourselves. The second statement is the more effective those people that we have as friends, the more effective we become, right? You've heard the statement, birds of a feather flock together. If you're running around with turkeys, guess what you are, right? If you start hanging out with eagles, you're gonna start soaring like an eagle. We need effective people around us because that grows us, it encourages us to become even better in every area of our life. And because of that, that's the third statement. Therefore, the selection of those friends is so vitally important. And that's why we've been in this series, put people in their place. Put people in their place. And there's not a, a negative sense of the term. We're saying we have to have the right people in the right places in our life if we want to be successful. And don't you know that if you have the right people in the right places, it can make your life so, so much better. And if you have the wrong people, it can make things pretty difficult. I saw a post on uh, social media that just cracked me up, and I believe every one of us could understand this and agree it to be true. Go ahead and put it on the side screens. It says this, it's amazing how three minutes with the wrong person feels like an eternity, yet three hours with the right person feels like only a moment. <laughs> Do you have those people in your life? Like maybe let's start this backwards, or like you've got people you could spend all day long with, and you're like, I wish I had more time. And then there's other people, it might be a coworker or something, it's like, man, I spent all day with them. It was miserable. And like, no, it was like five minutes. That's all you <laughs> But it, it can just be that way sometimes. It's so vitally important that we understand that the people that we have around us affect us in such a, 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 a big way. So that's why we've been in this series looking at the fact that we must recognize that there's certain ways that we have to handle our relationships. And when we look at Jesus's life, over the last couple of weeks, we learned the principles of how he handled his relationships. And we learned this, we learned that people should be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. And that's what Jesus did. He loved people biblically, without condition. It didn't matter, he loved people. It didn't matter on how much money a person had, it didn't matter their gender, it didn't matter their age, none of that mattered. He, everyone was to be loved biblically. He valued people equally. Like, doesn't matter how much money, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter where you were raised, you, your value is the same. But Jesus also taught us that people are to be treated differently. Because we see in scripture that Jesus treated everyone right, but he treated everyone differently. Because treating everyone the same does not mean treating them differently. So there were certain people that got more access into Jesus' inner circle as he ministered here on earth. There were certain people that, 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 that experienced different things because not everyone is to be treated the same. And the truth is the same about your relationships and mine is that we're supposed to love people. We're supposed to value people all equally, all the same. But... Not every person in your life is supposed to be treated the same. Not every person in your life is supposed to have the same access to you that other people might have. So we talked about the fact that 
In the deck of cards, there's 52 cards, but there's only four aces. And in our lives, there's gonna be many people that we come in contact with. You have a lot of people in your life, but there might only be a handful of aces in your life. In fact, there's probably just as many jokers in your life as there are aces. So we have to learn how to, uh, we have to learn how to navigate that. Learn how to navigate. Who, who should fit into the categories that I'm investing into more? But so we don't spend our whole lives where we're going, God has given me some great relationships, the ace type relationships, the inner circle, the best friend, the life partner type people in my life and, and, and invest into them because if we don't, what we'll do is we'll spend all of our time investing into the jokers that shouldn't be getting any of our time. And it's important that we do this so that we can Position ourselves to where we can be successful, not just for our lives, but for the other lives that are all around us. So today, what I want to talk about is, I, we've talked about the principles of this over the last couple of weeks. But today, in the moments that we have together, I want to make this as practical as possible. And I want to talk about five relationships that every one of us need in our lives. We have to identify these relationships. We need them in our lives so that we can be successful, so that we can be blessed the way that God wants us to. I talked about four aces, but I'm talking about five friends. I wish it matched up. It doesn't. Just go with it, okay? <laughs> but, but here's five relationships that every one of us need. And, and, to hit the pause button before we dive into this. I know what can happen is you can hear a message like this. I need these relationships in my life and it can be a little bit discouraging because you can start to think, I don't have that relationship. I don't have this relationship yet. I want this relationship, but I keep failing there. And it can be discouraging because like, I don't have that. Well, here's the thing. As we go through these, I wanna encourage you to pray that God would reveal these relationships to you, to pray that you could nurture those relationships. But here's the other very important thing every Christ follower needs to understand is sometimes you don't have that relationship in your life because God is setting you up for you to be that relationship to someone else. So today as you're hearing this, don't, take none of this as discouragement. These are things to pray about and to move forward. So I'm saying, as we talk about each of these things, who is this person to me? How can I nurture this? But how can I also be this for someone else? Five relationships, you ready for them? Two of you are ready for them. Five relationships, are you ready for them? All right, number one. Five relationships every person needs. Every person needs a mentor. Every person needs a mentor. The Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. See, mentoring is the development of a person over time. Mentoring is someone who will help you grow in different areas of your life. They will help you grow in your walk with Christ. They can help you grow in character. They can help you grow in integrity. They can help you grow in your relationships with your spouse and your children. They, they can help you grow in many different areas of your life. And it's a development that takes place over time. This is not a, a one-time sit down for coffee. This is an investment of saying, I'm gonna pour into you. And from the opposite side, you're saying, I'm going to submit to your teaching because I want to learn and grow in certain areas where I'm not so strong. 
And one of the ways you can look at your life and, and, and see, do I have mentors in my life is, is I think you should right now imagine who are your friends? Who are your peer group? Who is around you right now? And ask yourself the question, am I the smartest person in my peer group? And if the answer is yes, then you don't have a mentor. <laughs> if you ask yourself, am I the smartest person in my group of friends? And the answer is yes, you need a new group of friends. Let's just be honest, right? Because we need people around us who will, who will help strengthen us in areas where we're weak. A great example of this we see in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, King David at the time was an armor bearer to King Saul. And the opportunity came up, many of you have heard the story, where he was able to go forward and fight a giant a Philistine by the name of Goliath. And he went forward and everyone else was afraid. Everyone else was unsuccessful. They were being defeated. They were being mocked. Things were not going good for them. But David said, listen, I have a track record with God. I believe I can be successful here. I believe God will bless me. I'm gonna go forward. And as you know the story, he goes forward and he fights Goliath and he wins. And he has a great success and everyone else recognizes the success. They say, look at this, for so long I have failed. I've stood here on the side of the battlefield and I've lost over and over and over again. I've lost my dignity, I've lost my integrity, I've lost my confidence, I've lost all this. But I look at David and David succeeded in an area where I couldn't succeed. So the Bible then tells us, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 22, that there was a whole group of men that decided they wanted to, to follow David and learn from him. So the Bible says in 1 Samuel 22 that David went to the cave of Adullam and, and David's family went there and then there was a bunch of men that went there and they were destitute, they were, they were broken, they were hurting men and they came to him and they basically said, you have success in an area where I don't have success. You have victory and I keep having loss. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna submit myself to you. I'm gonna submit myself to your teaching and I'm gonna be like, okay, you tell me to do it, I do it. You tell me to fight it, I'm gonna fight it. You tell me to work out, I'll work out. You tell me to praise God, I'll praise God. I wanna do it your way, I wanna be mentored by you because I want the same success that you have. And because these men were willing to submit themselves to the mentorship of David, we see that in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21, the Bible says that there were other Philistine giants that showed up, four of them. And the Bible describes the fact that then a battle took place and it was not just David, it was David's men who went and killed the giants. So what does this tell us? This tells us that there was a group of men that were weak, they were failing, they were not having success, and they submitted themselves to the mentorship of someone who was successful, and by the end of it, they had such great success that they were the ones defeating the giants. They were the ones getting the victory. They were the ones moving forward. And here's what I know about every one of us, because some of us are successful in certain areas, but some of us are not successful in others. And in fact, no one in here is running 100%. I mean, you might look around and be like, I got certain things going for me, but I'm weak over here. I'm good in business, but, I, but, but I'm bad in relationship. I mean, you might look at me like, like Pastor Dan, he's like really good looking, but he's got some weaknesses too, right? Oh, you're not gonna just let that slide, come on. It's like because 
we, we, we all have these different areas where like, yeah, I'm, I'm successful in certain areas, but I'm not successful in other areas. So, so what do I need to do is I need to submit myself to the mentorship of someone who is successful and say, listen, I need your help. And in doing that, it, it's kind of a commitment to say, okay, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do that because I want success. And it can be in so many different areas of your life. Like you might say, I, I'm good in these different areas, but I am failing in my marriage. So I, I see, sir, that you've been, you've been married for 40 years and you're, you're strong in your marriage. So, so would you teach me how to be a better husband? Or I see, ma'am, that, that, that you are, are so smart when it comes to business. You're so smart with an administrative mind and I fail in those areas. So if I submit myself under you, would you teach me these things? And, and, and we can grow and, and we can... We can become stronger there. So when you're looking for a mentor in your life, you got to ask yourself the question, do I want to be like this person? Right? Because just because someone's successful doesn't mean you want to be like them. Like there's a lot of successful people that we don't want to be anything like. The next question is, does, does this person's life reflect the life of Christ? Right? And then we gotta, we got to decide what area do I want this person to teach me in? See, I'm so thankful for the fact that I have men around me who have mentored me and mentored me for decades now, that our, our board of directors and, and my father, and there's just groups of great men who have come around me and who will, who will mentor me and who will teach me, who will teach me how to minister and how to love people, how to love my wife and all these different things. And, and you've got to be able to submit yourself to a mentor in a way where they can tell you some things that you don't necessarily want to hear. I can remember sitting down with some wise older men who told me something that hurt me deeply at, at a time, and I thank God for it. When I was young and I thought I knew everything, I had some, some of my mentors set me down and said, Dan, use half your words. And they said, no, no, I take it back. Use half of half of your words. <laughs> like, you talk too much. And, and, and you know what? It, it stung a little bit, but, but they... They love me enough to teach me to help me become more successful in my life. Do you have a mentor in your life? If you do, you need to invest into that. You need to thank God for that. And, and, and maybe this is a time you start praying for that. Maybe, maybe you're in a season of life now. You're, you're experienced. You've got some success. And this could be a time where you could start mentoring some other people. First relationship that every one of us needs is the mentor relationship. The second one, if you're ready for it, is this. We all need an encourager. We need a mentor and we need an encourager. Rodney Dangerfield is quoted for saying, Once I told my old man, nobody likes me. He said, don't say that. Everybody hasn't met you yet. We need people around us who, who will just encourage us, who, who will lift us up, who will, like when you're feeling down, when you're feeling bad, when you're feeling like I don't got it together, you got someone that's in your corner going, you got this, you can do this. And encouragement is a very powerful thing. You've seen it in sports, right? The latter team cheers for their favorite athlete. That athlete will do so much more. You'll see more come out of them because encouragement is powerful. And I can remember as a kid that encouragement could go both ways, right? Uh, there could be bad encouragement. But I remember as a kid, I would have friends that would talk me into doing some of the stupidest stuff. They tell me like, Dan, you could jump your mountain bike off of that. I'm like, I've never jumped a mountain bike. They're like, you could totally jump your mountain bike off of that. The chicks will dig it. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? like, you can do a backflip, Dan. You got this. Like, like, because 
when we hear encouragement, it, it moves us forward. Now, some of that can be negative, but here's how it translates to my life now is I have friends around me. I have people in my life that are the encouragers in my life. And sometimes what I need to hear when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling discouraged, when I'm feeling like I don't have what it takes, sometimes I have people who will whisper into my ear and say, Dan, you've got what it takes. You're going to make it. This season is going to pass. I know it hurts right now. I know it feels like you don't know what you're doing, but you're going to make it through this. You're doing a good job. And we need those type of people in our life. We need encouragers in our life. You realize that God is an encourager? That, that we see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, this is what God says about Jesus. He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He spoke encouragement over his son. But do you realize when you became a follower of Christ, when you said, God, I need forgiveness of my sins and I want to put you first in my life, he, he then calls you son. He then calls you daughter. That through the confession of our faith, when, when we trust in Jesus Christ, we are being given the right to be called children of God. And when we do that and he calls you son and daughter, th this verse translates to you. He said, you are my daughter whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. You are my son whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. And your God speaks encouragement over your life because encouragement is powerful. And it's something that he wants each and every one of us to experience. Not, not to just go through life watching other people be encouraged, but he wants us to encourage one another, but to receive it ourselves. I, I read something years ago. This is out uh, of Arthur Gordon's writing. Uh, it's called A Touch of Wonder. And in this, he writes about friends who are part of a literary club that he belonged to at the University of Wisconsin. And it says this. The members were a group of brilliant young men with real literary talent. At each meeting, one of them would read a story or essay that he had written and submitted it to the criticism of the others. No punches were pulled. Each manuscript was mercilessly dissected, and the sessions were so brutal that the club named itself the Stranglers. The club was a masculine affair, so naturally the co-eds formed a comparable group, uh, and to them it was known as the Wranglers. They too read the manuscripts aloud, but criticism was much general, uh, gentler, and in fact was almost none, there was almost none at all, and the Wranglers hunted for kind words to say, and all efforts, however feeble, were encouraged by the fellow members. The payoff came 20 years later, when the alumni made an analysis of his classmates' uh, careers. And of all the bright young talent that, uh, in the Stranglers, not one had made a literary reputation of any kind. But out of the Wranglers had come forth half a dozen successful writers, some of national prominence. Guys, we need encouragement. In every area of your life, you're going to hear discouragement. On the news, you're going to hear discouragement. On social media, you're going to hear discouragement. The ladder climbers at your work, they're going to try to discourage you. But as believers in the body of Christ, God tells us to, to come together 
and encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, I don't have anyone in my life who, who is that encourager to me. This is why. The first step is that God is calling you to be that encourager for someone else. Then maybe you feel that way. You feel the void of encouragement in your life because God set you up in the place where you can be the, the breath of encouragement where you can start speaking life and everyone else is negative. Do you see what's on the news and this is gonna happen and the market's gonna fall here and this is gonna happen and blah, 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 all that and you can go, but listen guys, we've got what it takes and we're gonna make it and our God loves us and you can speak that type of encouragement because I'm telling you, every believer needs an encourager in their life. As church family, as followers of Christ, we need mentors. We need encouragers, and number three, we need confronters. We need confronters. Do you have anyone in your life who will confront you? I was like almost 10 years ago, but I remember walking through the lobby of our church, and I was out there for like 30 minutes, right? In the 30 minutes I was out there, I talked to all sorts of people. I talked to visitors. I talked to people I'd known for years. I talked to young married couples. I talked to kids. I talked to elderly people. I talked to women. I talked to men. I talked to everybody, right? Finally, this guy named Rich comes up. He shakes my hand. He leans in. He goes, Dad. I'm like, yeah. He goes, your fly's unzipped. <laughs> like, and I thought a couple things. I thought, well, first off, thank you so much for the fact that you finally said something. I've been out here for 30 minutes. Who all saw me walking around with my fly down right now? I'm like talking to old ladies and stuff. Like, this is awkward. I'm very uncomfortable at the moment. He's like, but, so I'm thinking, on uh, one hand, thank you so much that you cared enough about me to confront me and say something that was embarrassing and say something that was uncomfortable. That was the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was, what about you guys? Y'all just leaving me out there to dry? Like, come on, how come no one else would say anything to me? Do you guys not love me? I mean, like, oh I should pull a chair up and, like, get some counseling right now. I don't know. But, but I'm like, I recognize that I had someone in my life who cared enough to confront me on something where I had a blind spot that was embarrassing me and it was hurting me and I didn't even know it. And every one of us need that. The Bible says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The Bible says someone that's just like, ah, everything's fine, you're good, you're awesome, you're wonderful. When there's a problem, the Bible calls that person an enemy. But someone who's, hey, you might have a blind spot here. You might not recognize how you're coming across right now. You might not understand. When you act that way, it doesn't come across good. When you say things like that, it doesn't come across good. It's a, it doesn't fit you well. When, when your fly's down, it's embarrassing, right? Like, we, we need to recognize that we need those type of people in our lives. And understand, there's a difference between confrontation and criticism. Because criticism comes to tear you down. Confrontation comes to build you up. There's always going to be the critic. It's always going to be someone trying to tear you down. Why you can't do this? Why you can't do that? You don't have this education. Blah, 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 blah. But the people that come in your life and say, listen, I, I don't know if you see the blind spot. I want to help you. Those are people that are so incredibly valuable to us. 
A couple weeks ago, we talked about Joab and how Joab was a friend of King David, and he, he loved him enough to confront him on something and say, listen, you're treating people wrong. The very people that hate you, you're treating right. The very people that, that love you, you're, you're treating wrong. And, and we need people like that. So, so here's three important things that we need to understand about confrontation. Confrontation always needs to come with tears, timing, and trust. What I mean with that is when I'm being confronted, does this person with tears, does this person really care about me? Because my pain should not bring them joy. And someone who really loves you and they're really confronting you because they care about you, it doesn't make them happy to confront you. It, it comes with tears. The next thing is timing. Will this person confront me in a time where it will help me and not hurt me? And then the last is trust. Is this person someone I can trust? Because some people will try to, some people will try to confront you on things that they have not earned the equity in your life in order to be able to talk to you about certain things. Is there a trust built up there? Is there strength there? So this is not just something that we look for, but we got to apply these things to our own life. If I'm going to be this for someone else, am I going to my friends, my loved ones, with tears, timing, and trust? So we all, church family, need a mentor. We need an encourager, we need a confronter. Number four, we need an intercessor. An intercessor, someone who will pray for me. An intercessor will pray for you, whether it's good times or bad times. They'll celebrate you and pray for you. They'll, they'll, they'll mourn with you and pray for you. Like, like we see that in scripture um, in the book of Job. Job was going through an incredibly difficult time and his friends started giving him bad advice. And we see that Job loved his friends enough to stop, even though they were hurting him. He stopped and he started praying for his friends. And Job 42.10 says, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. See, Job loved them enough to pray for them. And because of that, God blessed them. God blessed them. I wonder, do you, do you have anyone in your life who loves you enough to pray for you? And the interesting thing about that is there might be some of you in this room that you don't think you do. But the truth is, you do. Because there's been some grandma praying for you for years that you might not know about. And that friend that invited you to church today, you might have thought this was just happen chance they invited you to church, but they've been praying for you for a long time because they care for you. They're praying for you. I wonder, are you praying for anyone? You guys remember the movie uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman? Anyone seen that? That's a strange movie to be in my repertoire. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, it's like, there, there's a quote out of that movie, and I love it because she says, I, I, I know I love you because I pray for you more than I pray for myself. And that's the heart of an intercessor, that I'm just praying for you. I'm lifting you up before God because I care so much about you. We need those type of people in our lives, right? We need mentors. We need encouragers. We need confronters. We need intercessors. And then the last one before we leave today is we need partners, I need a partner. See, a partner is someone who will be there for you when you need them, who will not let you go through things alone. There was an elderly man who had to deal with a burglar, and the story goes like this. George Phillips, an elderly man from Meridian, Mississippi, was going up to bed when his wife told him that he had left the light on in the garden shed, which she could see from the bedroom window. So George opened the back door to go turn off the light when he saw that there were people in the shed stealing things. He phoned the police 
who asked, is someone in your house? He said, no, but there are people breaking into my garden shed and stealing from me. Then the police dispatcher said, all patrols are busy. You should lock your doors and an officer will be uh, along when one is available. George said, okay. He hung up the phone, counted to 30. Then he phoned the police again. Hello, I just called a few seconds ago because there's people stealing things from my shed. Well, you don't have to worry about that now because I shot and killed both of them and the dogs are eating them right now and he hung up. <laughs> Within five minutes, six police cars, a SWAT team, a helicopter, two fire trucks, a paramedic and an ambulance showed up at the Phillips residence and caught the burglars red-handed. One of the policemen said to George, I thought you said you shot them. And George said, I thought you said no one was available. I wondered, who do you have in your life that won't let you go through things alone? Because we're all gonna go through things and, and God never intended for us to go through things alone. He wants us to partner together. That's why he put us in relationship. And see, that brings us back to our main verse from this morning, which is that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. And also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And the cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A partner is someone that can help you lift a load. See, did you know that one draft horse can pull two tons of weight, but two draft horses drawn together can pull over 23 tons of weight? Geese can fly 71% farther when they fly together. See, a partner is hard to find, but so incredibly valuable. And we need them in every area of our life. We need them in business. We need them in home. We, we need them in the workplace. We need them in finances. We need partners in life. I wonder, who do you have that won't let you walk through the difficult times alone? I saw a picture of a turtle. I would go put it up on the screen. I love this picture because <laughs> it read this, under, the caption underneath this picture was, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there alone. <laughs> And I feel like it sums up what we're talking about today because God set it up to where you and I are gonna have successes in our life and when we're honest, when we have those true successes, we would know I did not get there on my own. I had help. I had people around me who brought me along. They mentored me. They, they, they partnered with me. They encouraged me. They, like We need people in our lives. And I know that, again, there are some of you in this room, you're like, I, I don't have all these relationships that we talked about today. Well, it's not something to be discouraged about. It's something to take a couple action steps on. Number one, if you don't have these relationships, if you do have them, thank God for them and invest into them. If you don't have them, start praying that God would bring these relationships in your life and start looking for them. But then the, the last and maybe most important is if you don't have these relationships in your life, or even if you do, start asking, how can I be this to other people in my life? Because if every person needs these relationships, maybe there's some people that don't have them because I haven't stepped up to fulfill that role. Church family, God doesn't want you to do life on your own. 
He put us together in this community so that we can strengthen each other, grow together, and and help each other and encourage each other through life. So let me pray for you that God would strengthen us as a church and as a community before we go today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for the fact that you're teaching us how to put people in the right place, how to position people in our lives so that we can be successful. Thank you that we're not just going through life alone, but you've put other people and other giftings around us to help us. So God, for those of us in this room that that need these friendships, I pray that you would help us to find them. I pray you'd bring them to us, help us to nurture them. And then God as well, I pray right now that you would begin impressing on each of our lives. How can I be this to other people? How can I be a partner to someone else? How can I be an encouragement to someone else? God, how, how is it that you want me to fulfill these roles? Because God, as a church, we wanna continue to grow and learn. And we know that that's why you want us in community. That's why you want us in small groups. That's why you want us serving together. That's why we're not just supposed to be out on an island alone. So help us as Fellowship Church to grow together in community so that we can resemble your love more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I love you, church family. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.